The Teabags and Joysticks podcast is intended for adults. It contains language and subject matter of a sexual and otherwise mature nature. If you're not 18 or over or such content offends you, stop listening now. Otherwise, enjoy the show. And there's always something. (laughs) (laughs) Try as we might, there are some things that will always creep through. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Teabags and Joysticks, the kinky video game podcast. How are you, Sam? I'm good. That's not how I thought you were going to start this. <laughs> well, I, I mean, after I said, last time. You know, yeah, last time I said, I'm Chris, and then you, you just went straight into it. How are you, Chris? I, I'm, um... I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> last time it was a flawless start, and there was, nothing went wrong at all. <laughs> all right, maybe we should talk about this, how we do the opening. <laughs> I mean, maybe we should talk about many things, but that's kind of the topic of today's uh, podcast, isn't it? So, So before we get going, so everybody knows, today's topic is going to be polyamory. But before we get started with the meat of the podcast, shall we say, I think we both just want to acknowledge something just, just at the start of the show, which is to say that we are aware that since the last podcast, there has been a number of very difficult news situations for our trans family and we just want to say that we see you you are valid and you are always welcome here and we're sorry it's been like this yeah like i I know our trans family have been having a a rough time but it hopefully we can bring it will and hopefully we can bring a bit of lightness to proceedings Mm -hmm. so with that Shall we start on the tea? Because yes. I actually have tea today. You have, you're drinking tea. I have tea. actual you tea. You have actual tea. <laughs> well, it's a tea bag. No, it's not tea bags. It's um, <sighs> Hong Kong sweet milk tea. That's wrong. That, that's, that doesn't fit the, the podcast. I know, again. but it, it was a gift. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll make some bubble tea next time. You know, I like. I like the idea of bubble tea, but I don't like the texture. <laughs> I like the flavours, okay. I just don't like the texture. Hmm. All right, so we've gone from what's a tea to actual, actual talk tea. about tea. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your tea today, Chris? Right, my tea. I have the tea with the Dugen console scalpers. Like, oh. massively. So if anyone hasn't heard the news about the new consoles, um, a group of, um, I think they're UK-based scalpers. They managed to get themselves five thousand units of the PlayStation Five, and also one thousand units of the Xbox Series X. Also, they claim before they before their uh, Xbox Series X uh, order got cancelled by by the retailer. I did see that bit. I did see the cancellation, and I admit I laughed my ass. Yeah, but no, like I get it. Any like, here's the thing: I understand the rationale behind the scalpers because hey, it's a way to make money. But really, like, don't be dickheads. 
Exactly. Like, there's no need for it. What's the What's the point? Seriously, guys. Well, um, the point is it makes himself money, but you, you well, see how no, it goes. Yeah. Uh, like, there I mean, were scalpers for pretty much everything. Like, at the start of the pandemic, there were scalpers who were just, just getting... Oh, like, they were scalping toilet roll? Exactly. That's why I ran out. And I don't understand. It's just getting stuff that people actually need. But I think the, the, I think the moral is, is there's always going to be selfish pricks. The other thing is, I've just read that the, the one of the big resellers are also on it. So in the UK, there's this sellers called Sex. Oh, CEX. Yeah, CEX. Mm-hmm. They are now selling... Not the kind of sex that we talk about. No, no, no. <laughs> it's a sex shop, but hey... <laughs> but they are pricing secondhand, well, secondhand, as secondhand as they can be, PlayStation 5s at £850. Wow. Wow. I mean, now, they're not cheap to start with, but. That's a high street store we're talking about. Ah, uh, that, that's insane. And it just encourages it. Exactly. I mean,. Again, they're just making their money, and fair enough, but... I mean, has 2020 not already been rough enough, guys? Come on, like, just give us this one. <laughs> there's already a shortage because of 2020. Do we really need to add to this? So there's my tea. A little bitter. A little bit. Just a, just a bit. Like, yeah, I quite like a new console. Yeah. I'm... You know what? I'm actually in this weird thing at the moment where I'm not overly fussed. Yeah, but you have got a newer console than I do. Well, I do. Like, So I'm on the Xbox One X, but... I mean, I get the Xbox One X is a little bit faster, and so I'm not going to feel it quite as much as other people, but there's nothing on the new consoles I want to play. Okay, no, maybe that's not 100% true. There's nothing on the Xbox that I want to play at the moment. There's a couple of things that I want to play that are already out that it's like, oh, that what might be nice with the upgrade, but there's nothing specifically come out that I want. And that, that, I think that is partly because of Corona. Uh, Xbox lost, basically, two of its big flagships. Yeah. Uh, Halo was one of the big draws for me. Oh, as much as I have problems with the Halo series, and I, I guess that's my tea. Like I have problems with the Halo series. I have done for a while because I really don't like where they took the story. And I'm really hoping that the new uh, Halo kind of fixes some of that, but I'm dubious because there's been a lot of stuff coming out about how they're doing their microtransactions, how they're doing their customizations, etc. It worries me. And this is from a studio that already didn't have the best reputation with me after Halo 5. Halo 4 as well, but Halo 4 I kind of gave them because it was their first game. Halo 5... I'm sorry, I really do not like that. It's best just ignored. But there's not really anything on the new generation yet that makes me go, I have to have this now. Whereas when the Xbox One came out, the games that were on there weren't the best games out there, but they at least drew me in. I just, I don't have that same pull at the moment. I, mean, I don't think it's a problem with the new console as much as that just... It's just the games that have been delayed. Just it's, it's really um, all the 
you know, games that are going to be released on the Series X are still going to be playable on, on the Xbox Ones for now. Well, that's it. Plus, most of what's going to get released on the Series X is on PC as well. Because yeah. most of the launch time, if I remember rightly, I could be wrong, so let me preface this, but if I remember rightly, most of the launch titles for the X are on PC as well, because they're Microsoft Game Studio games. Yeah. And they're now, as standard, pushing for both the Xbox and the PC simultaneous release. Mm-hmm. Um, There's the odd one uh, here and there that yeah. doesn't, but... I don't know, like, I just haven't got a big draw, I and mean, in the new year, maybe, but no, like, there's nothing that dr- that drags me in right now. Although, I guess, I mean, on that note, what's on your joystick, Chris? My joystick, okay, I've just been going back to Animal Crossing, uh, New Horizons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have been joining you on that recently. All right, we, we need to link <laughs> well, up. Well, not, not, act- yeah. not actually joining you on the... Uh, on what I've had. Oh, yeah, we need to do that at we some need point. To link but I have up, been yeah, going definitely. back. Yeah, I just been seeing what's new. It's just like picking up weed from the ground again. <laughs> you know, I've left most of mine oh, because right. I really like it. Because I've got like little clumps at the moment, mm-hmm. and it just looks like um, like corn at the moment because they've changed the way that it looks. Yeah, for the season. It's, it's, and I really seasonal, like how it looks right now. It's seasonal. <laughs> So I like there's patches of mine that I've just left because I think it's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's a bit of a shame that the game wants you to put pull out all the weeds because yeah they, they do look quite natural at, in places. There I there are some sections on my island where I have just gone. You know what? I'm going to leave that to be natural. Yeah. Um, it depends on but, how how you designed your island, really. True. This is very true. I'm really curious to see what else is coming up for, well, they're calling it Turkey Day, but like what's coming on their Christmas stuff. But no, Wait, turkey, no, sorry. Turkey, turkey Day is day. gone. That yeah, was turkey the last day one. Thanksgiving. Um, what are they calling it? Toy Day? Toy day. Like yeah, toy day. Toy Day. So I'm curious to see what else they've got coming for that, because I want to make a little like, so when you walk onto my island, and I might even put the island number on the description, but when you walk into my island... On the right-hand side, when you first come off the plane, I've got this little area that I'm starting to build into being a seasonal display. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really like this. And I want to see what else there is in this in order to create like a little Christmas scene in this area. Because it's right next to the town hall. Oh, I need to remember how it looked. <laughs> <laughs> so when you come off my... So you come off the airport, and the airport's the same on everybody's island. You come on, and immediately in front of you is the town hall. There's a little path mm-hmm. that goes straight to that. It's only about four or five blocks forward. And then on the right-hand side, there's this area that used to be a little picnic bench that's now just blank space that I've been trying to work out what to do with for a while. And since they're doing these seasonal events, I'm just going to do something seasonal each time. Yeah. And then like as you go off to the left, there's Nook's Cranny, and then it all carries on around there but it's not relevant right now but like i want to make that little area on the right just like this little christmas scene like have a couple of toys a christmas tree and a fireplace you know no, no, that's a good idea yeah like christmas need some decoration out there yeah yeah i think it's just a nice seasonal way to like enter the island mm-hmm. but no apart from that i have been playing uh paper mario again uh, right. So the Origami King came out a while ago, but I only actually played 
I think maybe the first 10 or 20% of it because it came out right in the middle of my dissertation. And so it kind of got put on the back burner because I was so busy on my on my work that I couldn't actually focus on playing this game. So I've gone back to that recently and I forgot how charming it is. I know that it's something that a few people have had problems with because yep. they, they've played the legacy titles and it loses a bit out of the legacy titles. I've only played like maybe half an hour of one of the past titles. So I actually find this game really, really charming and there's some really nice, just funny like dialogue and interactions in there. And just seeing the way that they've imagined the Mario world in a paper scenario is really cool. Yeah, I've been a bit, been a bit skeptical about, well, I've been a bit on the fence on Paper Mario. Not sure why, just, just didn't really feel like a game that I'd be that's kind of how I felt when I first tried them, and then there's there's just a subtle charm to them, and I don't, I can't really explain it. That there's just something really charming as you go through. Okay, I'll definitely have a look. <laughs> it's worth. I, I, I it's definitely it's, worth a look. I'm, I'm, it's definitely a well-regarded game, so why not? Yeah, I mean, I'm not selling it very well, but if if you have a switch, have a look at the gameplay because. A lot of the trailers, they show you gameplay, but they show you like the cutscenes. Have a look at some of the actual gameplay, like watch 10, 20 minutes on YouTube or something. See if it's your kind of game, because it's not going to be for everyone. But I find it, I find it just enjoyable. There's a nice bit of turn-based combat. There's a nice bit of uh, puzzle solving, and it's just kind of, it's filler. It's it's like fluffy filler stuff, you know. Like I'm, I'm happy with it. It's a nice little game to just while away a bit of time. It's like I play a little bit, like either first thing in the morning or last thing at night, like whichever one I'm not doing the Animal Crossing on, and it's just a nice way of kind of just relaxing. It's not like stressful like some games can be. Like even though that stress is fun, it's like sometimes you want something just like, a little bit lighter. Yeah, yeah, just a bit of casual fun, a bit like chill. <laughs> is it chill? Mostly. It has its moments. I mean, talking of casual fun, should we talk about something a little more serious? Oh, yes. Uh, good segue there. <laughs> uh. Well, I mean, I wouldn't call it as casual, so... There's no real nice way to, to manoeuvre that. How, depends on how you look at things. Ooh, is like, this where we're going to end up having a fight on air? Are you saying that we're casual? I'm not. No. How, why would I say that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> why would I even say that? You kind of implied it. No, I'm talking some, <laughs> some other people may see it that way. Some people may see it that way, yes. I've had that conversation a few times. Do you want to introduce the uh, general gist of things, though? Right, so we're getting to the main topic of polyamory, which, depending on how you look at it, it can be a lot of different things, to be honest. Um, I mean, it can, but the general definition is usually the same. Yeah. And the general definition is we are individuals who have more than one romantic partner simultaneously. Keyword being the romantic partner there, not casual partners. Mm -hmm. Like, they are all... All the partners are... Uh, not necessarily equal. Uh, okay. That's... I'm going to let you carry on here and quantify that before I jump in. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. 
like they they uh, it's it's a very difficult definition here uh, i think that's because one thing that we should probably touch on early on is it's a very individual thing yeah every poly relationship is different and that may be poly within a poly family or that may be down to the individual involved so for example the way that you and i view poly is different to the way that other people view poly Mm-hmm. But also the way that we have our relationships with our partners within our individual relationships is different as well. So, for example, the way that me and you are is very different to the way that you and your husband is. Exactly. So you're not expected to treat two people exactly the same way because you can't. Exactly. You can't treat two people the same. Yeah, That's impossible. Basically. And it wouldn't be fair. Yeah. There's... Uh... Different people need different things. Exactly. I mean, one thing that is probably clear to anybody that knows me and you, maybe not necessarily clear to the audience just yet, is that for me and you, our relationship tends to be very much lifestyle uh, in terms of BDSM and kink. We have a very loving relationship, but we are also more often than not in our roles as dom and sub whereas with your husband that's not the case no it's difficult to say um so you talk about dom sub like we have that at the same time we're not as hardcore as some other people may treat it uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of like uh dom sub and in a romantic relationship at the same time Mm -hmm. for example we definitely don't have like a Total power exchange dynamic. No. And we get in and out of roles. We have different kind of protocol, let's say. Yeah. You know, uh, protocol levels depending on what situation we're in. But but I think it's fair to say there is a underlying constant. It's it's not yeah. a total power exchange, but there is an underlying uh, constant level. So there will be times that I say to you, I want you to do this, and you won't question it. You'll just do it because of that submissive aspect of our relationship. But yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. You and your husband don't have that same kind of dynamic. You and your husband, you may have sessional play, as I understand mm-hmm. it, but you have a more traditional setup. I was going to say more vanilla, yeah, but that's not really almost say that. No, no, vanilla is definitely the wrong word here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, we more, we're more, you can say we're more equal partners than... Than me and you. Yeah. Not that we're not equal, because, exactly. let's be clear, there's That's no level also... of... I think one thing that gets very difficult when you talk about your relationship, and you talk about polyamory, and you talk about kink, and all three of those things coming at once, is mm-hmm. that... There can be a misunderstanding from people that don't engage in the lifestyle and people that don't engage in polyamory that there's an element of abuse or an element of um, I don't know what you would want what you would want to call it mis like unbalanced control yeah control but it's, it's oh coercion even but the key point is that we have negotiated extensively the terms of our relationship, not just with us, but we've also negotiated with your husband. Yep. I think another thing is that there is always, 
footers. And let's let's be very clear. This conversation comes from our perspective. We're not talking for every poly couple because every coupling is different. Every every environment, whether it be with nesting partners, with metamors, with individuals, etc., is a very different situation. And I'll come on to what those sure. terms mean yeah. in just a second. I, I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> but I I think it it's there is always going to be negotiation. And I, one thing with polyamory is you need very clear lines of communication amongst yeah. all partners in order Absolutely. for it to be successful. You need to be constantly talking. You need to be constantly adjusting mm-hmm. until it settles. And and even so, you are going to be communicating a lot about what's working, what's not working. Things you thought are settled may come up again. And that, that's nothing wrong with it. That's totally useful because how people feel change all the time exactly and and that's true of any relationship and there's always negotiation there's just, in any relationship yeah. but i think in polyamory <laughs> we focus on that a lot more because we realize that we have to for this to be successful mm-hmm. but to come back slightly i used the term earlier of nesting partner and metamor do you want to explain what these mean or would you like me to I have got a web page open. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I hope. You hope. Ah, uh, oh, it's the right page. I'm seeing, seeing a lot of star signs for some reason. Um, crap. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, metamor is basically your partner's partner. So, I would say like my husband is your metamor because. Mm-hmm. You don't engage. You don't. You don't. You are not really in a relationship with each other. Yeah. So and in some couples, I'm, they are, let's be let's be clear. In some couples, it's not uncommon for the metamors to be in a relationship with each other as well. Mm-hmm. But in ours, that's not how it works. No. And do you want to explain the nesting partner? And a nesting partner is the reference that you use. So in Chris's case, Chris's husband would be his nesting partner because that's the partner that he lives with. Now, you may hear some people use different terms for these things. So I know some people use primary and secondary partners. Some people really don't like that terminology because it implies a hierarchy. Mm. Uh, Some people may even use those terms, but it not mean a hierarchy. So I've done that before. Like you've heard me describe you as my secondary partner before. But it doesn't mean that you come second to whoever my primary partner is at the time. It just means that you're not my main, he says in quotes, partner that I live with. But it's also important to note that just because they're not somebody's nesting partner or they're not somebody's primary partner, it doesn't mean that the relationship is any less valid. Because I think there's a big misconception about that around people that aren't familiar with polyamory. Yeah, exactly. We are in a proper relationship with each other. Uh, and we very much value our relationship. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we talk, what, every night? Just about every day, depending just on what's about. going on in life. Yeah. Um, unless I'm asleep, which has been a thing recently. <laughs> <laughs> You've been sleeping at really weird times. I know, but it, it's pandemic. What can we say? Um, <laughs> but no, I, it, it's. I've definitely had people say to me, oh, yeah, but he's not your real partner. And it's like, no, let's let's walk that back. You know, 
I have literally stopped conversations dead to turn around to someone and go walk that back now. Like, because to me, guess you would feel the same way. And I think a lot of polyamorous people would feel the same way that when you start disrespecting their other partners, because that's what you're doing when you say, oh, but they're not your real partner or they're not your main partner. It's like, well, okay, maybe not if they are not your main partner, but like when you diminish at all their other partners that aren't their nesting partner, that's really sure. quite an offensive thing to do. Yeah. And I've definitely yeah. had that happen, like usually that's... out of ignorance. I will say that's this, a... usually out of ignorance, but mm -hmm. I've definitely had that yeah. happen. That's a, a catalogue of what not to say to poly people. <laughs> along, along with, do you all have sex? It's like, mm, some partners might do, but, yeah, you know, it's a very individual thing. And it it's something that comes down to all of the partners involved. There are partnerships that there will be threesomes or whatever. There are other partnerships that are, no, it is strictly me and you. And there are, there are partnerships where one one of the partners or even all the rest of the partners may not have anything to do with the, their metamors. Exactly. Well, I don't have much to do with your husband, not because of any animosity, but just because our lives don't cross beyond we're both in a relationship with you. And outside mm -hmm. of practical conversations, so, for example, it might be one of one or the other of us have got something planned for your birthday or something. We'll communicate about that to make sure that we don't overlap our plans. But beyond that, we don't have much cause to interact with each other. Yeah. And you can draw all kind of maps on, like, for poly. Oh, yeah. Uh, relationships like who's in a relationship with whom. Like, yeah. Like, Oh, triangle thing, the whole, whole like V thing that we have now, and it used to be an like, N thing. I mean, for some, you'd be you'd be drawing an entire family tree. I mean, <clears throat> exactly. I w I was going to have a thing done up a couple of years ago that was like a business card that said, "Yes, I'm Polly on one side, and then on the other side had basically all the FAQs and the diagram of my relationship." Because <laughs> the number of people that was shocked that I had two boyfriends at once, like. How did you manage that? Why are you doing that? How it's so like I get the questions, but you know, when you once you've explained it a hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think one of the most common questions that I get is how did you know? And I think that's something that's very individual for every person. That is a very, very typical question. Yeah. Like some uh yeah. So I know some people almost treat us as uh, almost like a sexual orientation. Yeah. Like they almost like, yeah, they always know it. They, that's just how they work. They, they can't see themselves any other way. But I don't think that's necessarily a poor way to view it because I think there's a lot of commonality between working out your sexual orientation and getting comfortable with your sexual orientation and understanding your sexual orientation mm -hmm. and understanding your polyamorous relationship needs. Because to me, I very much feel it is a need. Yeah, okay. Oh. So when when would you say you knew? Because I think you know the answer for this for me, but we'll go into it in a minute. I'm curious because we've never had this conversation. When did you know? When I first kind of knew it was a thing, pretty much. Okay. 
And do you remember how you found out about it? Just just online, just online media, really. Fair enough. Um, yeah, various people talking about how their relationships worked, and I, I looked at that like, yeah, that, that that sounds like me. Fair enough. I mean, you know the story of how I came to it, I think. Oh yes. Do you? Yes. I'm going to test you. <laughs> it was kind of from from me explaining, it was. isn't it? Well. Okay, so it wasn't exactly from you explaining. No, you, you always knew it existed. <laughs> yeah, so many moons ago, we'll not say how long ago, but many moons ago, we started talking online on Recon. We ended up meeting in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I knew you had a husband at that point, but I didn't know you were polyamorous. And I, at the, at the risk of being cutesy, I actually really remember that night really vividly. Like, my overriding memory from that night is me cuddling you in a corner of the club and saying, if you had walked into this bar single, you wouldn't have walked out that way. I remember saying this to you and how little I knew at that point. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But no, like, so I didn't know... Well, I knew of polyamory, but I hadn't really took any time to understand what it meant. And you explained how you feel about relationships to me. And at the time, it didn't really click. Um, and it was when yeah. you... I think it's... it's When you were away, you'd gone on holiday. And I happened to have a friend, was visiting from Denmark, and we'd been... We'd been playing as Sir and Sub for about six months at this point. Oh, me and you. Yeah. yeah. And... I remember saying to this friend of mine, I really like him. I really, really like him. But he has a husband. And I don't know how this all fits together. And me and him sat down and we talked about polyamory. We talked about BDSM because he's actually, to my knowledge, he's not kinky in the same way that we are. I don't know if he has kinks, but he's not kinky to the extent that we are. And we had a really long heart to heart and a fairly philosophical discussion about it and it was over the course of those conversations and looking back on how we had been that things started to click into place for me and I realized that one I was polyamorous and two I really wanted to be in a relationship with you and that's when we had the discussion and the rest is history but I remember looking back at my relationship history and some of the problems that had come into my other relationships. And let me be very clear, I have never cheated on a partner. Mm. But there had been situations where I had been with a partner and I developed feelings for somebody else at the same time. And this was simultaneous. But I hadn't a way to process that. I hadn't realized what that was. And this was something that had caused friction in previous relationships of mine. And... As I got to know you more and I got to understand polyamory more, these things started to make a lot more sense to me. And I realized, actually, this entire situation is so familiar to me. And I kind of, I'd got locked into this, I guess, heteronormative idea of what a relationship should be. Um, heteronormative? Uh, is it? Is that a right word? Yeah. 
I, I, I think so. The whole sort of one partner and, and say that again, sorry. Mononormative. <laughs> Mononormative, yeah. That, okay, maybe mononormative. <laughs> I'd never actually thought of it. Well, I mean, yes and no, because I guess. I guess mononormative is a fair like if it had just been that, but there were other <laughs> there were other impressions of mine that changed along with coming to accept me being poly. Uh, some of those being my view towards how to handle BDSM in a relationship and things like that, which I'm sure we will talk about at some point. Yeah, but absolutely. Like, I don't want to divert us from today's topic, but I like there were a lot of changes that kind of got incorporated into my life at that point, and. I became a lot more comfortable in myself once I realised it. That's the big thing. Like I'm a lot more comfortable in myself. But thinking mm -hmm. back, like I can remember. So I, I remember going on a camping trip with a, a friend and his wife. Um, and walking down the street, uh, where we, like the area that we were staying at, and this guy walked past us. And I'm like, oh, you're gorgeous. And my friend was like, you can't say that, you have a boyfriend. And I'm like, yeah, we can, it's fine. But that kind of thing happened a lot. And I was used to talking to ex-partners about who I found attractive. Yeah. I'd never um, really made that connection further than that. So there were oh, a lot of things oh, that I, I became a lot more comfortable with. Yeah, it's, it's that... I don't know. If I find just saying somebody is attractive, that, that's a pretty normal thing. But to some people, that's a really big anyway. taboo. To some people, that is a really big taboo. Yeah, it shouldn't be, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I mean, it depends on the individuals. It, it, it's. I mean, we're, we're not talking like, oh, I, I find, I don't know who's the who's the new hotness at the moment, like. Chris Evans. Chris, yeah, know. Chris Evans, Nick Jonas. It's not like saying, oh, I find, I find this person hot and having a celebrity pass. It's like, no, these are guys on the street. These are guys I know. You know, and I'd always been a bit apprehensive. Not necessarily talking about that with a partner, but kind of looking at that any deeper. Mm. Like, I knew there was more to it. I just never really looked at it any deeper until me and you started dating and I started to get more comfortable with it. So uh, I do think um, just feeling attraction and actually being in, uh, actually trying to, or more relationships at the same time, they are, they're different. Oh, they are. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely they are. But I'm talking about situations where, so for example, I was with one partner and there was another person within like my university environment that I found really, really attractive that I could see myself in a relationship with. And I knew this in my head, but I had a boyfriend and I, I, I'm one of these people, like I will not cheat on a partner. If something is agreed, something is agreed. I will, I will negotiate and I will talk about terms and everything, but I will never cheat on a partner if I don't have a green light. Mm -hmm. And so to to know that I'm attracted to this person and I could envision this relationship with them is a very different thing to exploring it. And sure. so I was always very hem, hemmed in yep. 
Like, that feels like a really derogatory term, but it's not. That's how I felt. I just didn't have the language and I didn't have the understanding of polyamory at the time to realise why I felt hemmed in. So once I started letting go of a lot of that, I actually got a lot more relaxed. And, and it, it's interesting. Um, we had a reunion of sorts between me and some university friends uh, last okay. about this time last year, actually. Okay. And one of them actually said to me, you seem so much more settled. Now, like, you seem yeah. so much more settled now that you know this, and, it, and it's so obvious that you feel so strongly for your partners. Because I was in another relationship back then. Mm-hmm. And, and it really did actually not settle me down, but, like, it, it made me feel a lot more... What's the word? Content, I guess? All right. Yeah. Hmm. But that that's my journey. Everybody's journey to it is going to be different. Oh, totally. And and like I say, me me accepting being poly would actually there were a lot of and you know this because you were around, but like there were a lot of changes that happened in my life at that point. And this was yeah. one one part of it, but I do feel like it was a very significant part of it. I think that one other thing that is worth touching on is that polyamory is not necessarily uncommon in the king scene. Or at least no. elements of it are not. Because we can't speak for other people's relationships. But I know that mm-hmm. we definitely know what at least two other poly couples that I can immediately yeah, think um, of. We probably know more that are slipping my mind at this moment. Like king families and poly families are close, but they're not necessarily the same thing. No, they're not. But I do, I do yeah. think there are some overlaps, for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is common for it's common for basically um, a cake relationship to have some sort of romance in it. Hmm. Like, that's pretty natural. I mean, for me, I, for me, I enjoy so I enjoy kink, and I enjoy kink with other partners and regular partners. But you know this: if I have a regular partner that I do something kinky with, while it will be a friends with benefits type of situation, there is that little bit of emotion that underpins it for me, because that's that kind of what makes it for me, because you have that connection, and you have mm. that connection that allows you to push some of those barriers. But that's not necessarily to say that all of my kink partners are my lovers. It's It's not. It's just there's a deeper emotional connection there. And that's a very different thing to my relationship with my other partners. Yep. Um, but it, it is something that you do encounter quite often in the king scene. I think. I think. I think we. I think I you're think... right. Yeah. This the king scene is more used to kind of non traditional. Yeah, for for lack of a better word, non traditional kind of relationships between people yeah so they would yeah they're likely naturally more accepting to these yeah and i think the other thing is we need we need to be cautious of of conflating a polyamorous relationship with an open relationship because they're Mm. two very different things 
an, yeah. an open relationship, at least as I understand them, is I, well, I say as I understand them, I've been in a few, but sort of you have your partner, but you can go and play with other people. Whereas yeah. in a polyamorous relationship, you have your partner, but you also have your other partner and maybe even another partner and so on and so forth. I mean, different people will have different numbers of partners. For me, personally, I'm not saying this is a hard limit, but personally, I think two partners is kind of my limit, having been <laughs> having been in a relationship with more than one partner. And knowing my threshold, it, it's for me, that seems to be where I'm at. And I mean, I don't know how you feel about like number of partners, etc. I think we've had this discussion before, Mike. Yeah. Like, well, for me, it's like, I don't know. I haven't haven't got there yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't know what my what my threshold, my limit might be. Um, I'm happy with what we have now. But, yeah. But I, I think it's also safe to say that in the event that you or I were to take on another partner, we would discuss mm -hmm. that with each other. Uh, and you would also discuss that with your husband. I mean, I remember... Yeah. I remember when I started dating uh, the person who used to be my other partner, we sat down and we talked about it. And I, I actually yeah. said to you, yeah. I have this feel I have these feelings for another partner. Do you have any objections? Do you do you have any concerns? And we sat down and we talked about what that will mean for us. Um, usually when that happens I just go, Yep, very happy for you. But... And that's and that's <laughs> and, not and uncommon. That's, and, no, that, that is how I usually feel. That's not uncommon in, in poly relationships, but for me, I wouldn't have felt right starting that relationship without having spoken to you first. No, I wouldn't. I, I yeah. I, I just expected you to, to yeah, actually just, just say to me, yeah, I, I'm seeing this guy. And yeah, you should talk about starting a new relationship with the relationship you uh, the existing ones mm. yeah and and let's let's be clear as well i don't think there's necessarily anything wrong in one of your partners having an objection to you starting a new relationship no but is this also a kind of kind of rule that is is set up from the from the get-go like do you do, does the other person in the relationship has a veto power, or do they just, you know, they would voice their voice their objection, and but ultimately is the person who wants to start a relationship that decides how to go about doing it, and these are just rules that poly families have to just sort out between themselves, and there are no hard and fast. Uh, this is the way you need to do it. Hmm. Sorry, all I can think of. Wait, you, I watched the first three episodes of Mandalorian recently, so you you went there. And all I can think of is this is the way. And I, in my head, I immediately go, "This is the way." <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, for me personally, I'm, I'm, I've said this to you before. If you came to me tomorrow and went, "I want to start a new relationship with someone else," I would have some reservations that I talk through with you, and it's nothing mm -hmm. that I don't want you to have happiness or anything like that. My reservations would be based more around, well, how is this going to affect our, how is this going to affect oh, yeah. our relationship? How exactly. is this going to affect the way in which we get time with each other, the way in which we distribute financial resources? How are we going to 
set this up basically in the same but then again that's the same in terms of if one or the other of us were moving where we lived or exactly in, yeah. in, not necessarily just down the road but like in a major way a new job like, yeah. yeah and it, it's not like i don't want you to have happiness or anything in fact i specifically want you to have happiness and there's a term for that do you know what it is Oh, I forgot. <laughs> so the term is compersion. Oh, that's the one. Oh, that is so annoying. And this is something that I have spoken to you about before, because yeah. I've had really bad compersion around you before, but not in the sense that it was an uncomfortable feeling, just in the sense that it was so intense. When I know that you're doing something with your partner that makes you very, very happy. I think we, yeah. we've talked um, about this in the past. This is something that, it, it, to me, it's a really nice feeling. Yeah, and it's so, only, sometimes it can be uncomfortable, but only in so much that there might sometimes be that wish for me to have that with you, but not in the sense that I don't want you to have that with anybody else. Just almost irrational jealousy in a way. Like it's it's. <laughs> I think this is one of the other things that we maybe should talk about. Just because you're polyamorous and you're happy for your partner to have other relationships and you to have other relationships, and let's also be clear, not every person in a polydynamic will have multiple partners. No. Just because you are happy with that doesn't mean that jealousy doesn't occur. Not at all, no. I mean, there's been times where we have both been jealous of the other's relationships. Yeah, I, I still feel like it's rare for me to feel that but i'll be it'll be very disingenuous to say like yeah i've never had that before yeah i mean i mean we, we've discussed this before there are there are times i have been jealous of something you and your husband are doing and you've been jealous of something that me and one of my other partners have been doing it, it's a natural thing the important thing is how you handle that and does your jealousy stem from this is something i wish them to do with me or this is something they should only do with me because there's an important distinction. Yeah. So in terms of jealousy for, well, like feeling that like your partner should also be doing that with me, that that's relatively easy to sort out. You just also do that with that partner if it's possible. Yeah. But feeling like if something should only be done with you, that's. How do you feel about that? I, I feel like that's not really the spirit of polyamory. That's just me. So I disagree because my feeling on that is it kind of depends on what, what that is and where it's coming from. So, okay. for example, one of our nesting partners, as in either mine or yours, might feel that something that I do with you is something that should be special to me and them. So, for example, a, a good one is things to do with family. So, like yeah. things to do with, or more to the point, things to do with extended family. I know that for some couples, not necessarily myself, but for some couples, they feel that anything to do with the extended family should just be them and their nesting partner. Because, and that might be oh, around yeah. acceptance, that might just be around the way that they want to conduct their relationship. And, and it's a very individual thing. No, okay, that's fair enough. But I do think that that is that's legitimate and that's valid and that's a very individual thing and it, it it's 
you know, you negotiate this. You talk to your partner about this. You, when you go into a polyamorous relationship or you are in a polyamorous relationship and you find a new partner, these are discussions that you have about how, how are you going to do this? How are you going to handle this, etc. No, I haven't thought about family and, and stuff like that. I've mostly been thinking about stuff that just involves basically the, the two of you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I haven't considered that. I'm, I mean, from that's fair. for me personally, you've met my family, albeit mm-hmm. briefly, you have met my family. I have no problem with you being around family, etc. Like my family do know if there's family events and the opportunity arises you will probably come along and if I'm with another partner they will probably come along at the same time mm. I mean mm-hmm. to me to me it's important there's harmony amongst all of my partners as well but for some people that's not the case for some people they feel that needs to be a very personal thing and they may even alter depending on what you're talking about so for example my like future nesting partner may feel that around their family, they would rather it was just me and them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that in itself has other conversations. So do you acknowledge that this person has other partners? Do you acknowledge that you have that kind of relationship, etc.? That's something that I would negotiate with them. But it's a very individual thing. Yep. That's that's how it should be. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it should be. It's your relationship. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, me and you were very relaxed in that respect. Like me and you, I think we're both very much. It should be that way. Like your your family, etc., should take you. I know, and like what's and all. But mm. it's not always that simple. We have to acknowledge it's not always that simple, and we also have to acknowledge that not everybody wants to have that much of their private life exposed to their family. Yeah, uh, and at the end of the day, what you choose to share with other people, that that's your business. Uh, no one should tell you otherwise, really. Exactly. And I mean, no, you're right. And, and I mean, we, we are an example of that. So, for example, you, my family know about you. Yeah. But your family, as in your extended family, because your husband knows, uh, your extended family don't know about me. So your parents don't know about me, for example. No. And, and I think it's kind of unfortunate, but there is a, a whole load of like cultural discussion going on. Like, like my parents don't necessarily know a lot of my private life, to be honest. Which is not necessarily uncommon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but when it comes to partners, that is less common. Like your parents usually know who your partner is, etc. But it's not always sure. that straightforward, yeah. and there are considerations around how polyamory fits in with a person's cultural background. Totally. Uh. So, I mean, for example, your family is from Hong Kong, and it's not a common mm-hmm. thing over there, as I understand, for polyamory, at least to be overt. I mean, I don't think they really didn't really understand any of this, to be honest. Like, There's a whole load of discussion about culture and their relationship with sex positivity in general. Hmm. Uh, there's a whole load of dis- discussions that go on there. So, yeah, polyamory is one of them. Is certainly not the only thing. I mean, even even just being 
homosexual in some cultures is still frowned upon. And, exactly. it, and it, it, it's something that, you know, it's a very individualistic thing. So just because you know about one one polyamory setup or you know about one um, aspect of polyamory, you don't necessarily know what that means for that person. And I think that's the main takeaway here. Polyamory is always a very individual and case-by-case situation. Yep. Yep, I would agree with that. So is there anything else that you think that we should cover? Anything else that you think we should discuss? So uh, earlier we talked about open and close relationships. Mm -hmm. So I would just mention, like, basically polyamorous relationships can be open and close as well. No, no, absolutely, actually, and that's a really good point. Yeah. The distinction is not between open and poly, it's just... These, these are two separate things. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. Another thing that's also worth putting in there is just because a poly relationship is closed does not mean that the whole poly family live together or anything like that. Like, that does happen, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that that's the norm. I mean, there's no end of combinations of a way that a polyamorous group, family, relationship, whatever term we want to use for everybody in that individual polyamorous sphere. Uh, we, there's no end of combinations that this may occur in. But you can have closed situations. I mean, there, 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 are, there are relationships that you have a person in the middle, they have their two partners, one of, one of their partners has their two partners, but everyone's agreed to keep it closed. There is also a, another distinction to make, which is, have you ever heard the term fluid bonding? Yes. So yep. the term fluid bonding, as I remember it, because this is not a term that we tend to use, is a relationship to, it is in relation to, I should say, when you are in a relationship that involves sex or it involves some kind of fluid transfer and mm. the rules around that and different couples have different couples different relationship structures have different rules around that and that may vary depending on whether they're open and whether they're, they're closed etc so i have been in relationships where it's okay for you to play with others but you can't exchange fluids etc you must always use protection etc yep yeah, I've been in relationships where they're like, "Yeah, that's fine." Like, and and this is, I I will say on on top of this, make sure you play safe, make sure you're taking the precautions that you should be taking, whether that's condoms, whether that's preppers, your prophylaxis, whether that's any other number of ways that you're doing it, as long as you're informed and you're safe and consensual. But it it's it's just one of a number of different things, and I think the truth is we could we could sit here, and we could we could come to a point that we go. Is there anything else that we want to talk to? And we will constantly have new things that uh, we have to. Yeah. <laughs> because that is the thing with polyamory, that you are not constantly, because constantly implies that you're spending more time negotiating than you are in a relationship. But you are always negotiating different things. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that that is all you ever do. I mean, we have a very loving relationship. We, like, when we... So at the moment, we're long distance. And when, when we are together, a lot of the time we're not having these negotiations and things. We're very focused on who we're with. And I think that's true of any poly setup. When you are with a partner, you are very focused on that partner. Or even when you're with multiple partners, 
There's been there's been times before where you have been around me and one of my other partners, and I am yep. just as affectionate yep. with both of you, mm-hmm. which is very confusing to some people. <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen. <laughs> I know we have very definitely had looks from both friends and strangers when they have seen me hug and and like walk through the street holding hands and kissing my partner, and then they see me come and kiss you, and and I, I have seen people look at me like. Wait, what? And you can see the brain shorting out, like trying to put these two images together. That how can he be that that blase about it? It's just like <laughs> uh, I love those moments. I live for those moments. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it is important to say as well. We don't talk for every poly couple. Like, every poly couple is going to be different because it comes down to what's been negotiated. I I remember when I was at university, there was a um, documentary that came out, it was a month after, I think it was about a month or two months after I started my degree. Uh, And it was the Louis Theroux documentary that was based in America about polyamorous couples. And Mm -hmm. it was fascinating to me because I I ended up sat in my tuition room listening to all of these conversations going on around me of, oh, did you hear about this? And did, what about, this? like, talking about what had been in this documentary. And let's be clear, I don't like that documentary. No. I don't think I like any documentaries being made about polyamory. <laughs> any that I've seen. I So my problem with the Louis Theroux documentary is a problem that I have with other documentaries that he's done, which is... I think he has a tendency to let his personal bias slip in to his documentaries. And the frustrating thing to me is, particularly with the polyamory one, he comes across as trying to be very level-headed and very neutral about it. However, the phrasing and the terminology that he uses, if you are actually polyamory or you're in a polyamorous relationship and you understand how negotiation works, etc., etc., it almost felt demeaning. Mm-hmm. So it was very fascinating to me to be sat in my lecture the day afterwards, hearing all these conversations going on around me because nobody at that point knew that I was polyamorous. And them saying, oh, well, you know, I, I could never do that. I could never do this. And I don't want, but I turned around and went, why not? <laughs> what, I, are you, are you yeah. telling me that you, you could like see your boyfriend with somebody else? It's like, my boyfriend has a husband. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> and watching people's faces was it was the highlight of that day for me. <laughs> but maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just you. <laughs> I, th- I think we've both taken a little bit of pleasure sometimes in how people respond when they're not quite sure how to take it. Yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's something we go out of our way to do. Just we know it's been a thing. No, so I, a, a lot of times I kind of retreat to like speaking to pretty much like-minded people, mm. like people who who understands is is comfortable, really. And I I think this is something that kind of touches back to what we were saying about how it seems more common in the kink community. I know for yeah. sure that when it so I know when it's come up. For example, we've been at events. Uh, together when your husband has been there and people have been just so blase about it and just so it's normal to them 
because they're mm -hmm. familiar with it and they they know they know what the game is they know that both relationships are a thing and they respect both relationships and life just carries on but then we've been at other other times where you've been with like me and one of my partners and people have been awkward around us and yeah it's awkward as the person I, I don't know if you ever find this but it's awkward as the person who is the hinge as it were like mm -hmm. this is another term yep. that people use like the hinge being the one that connects disparate partners or separate partners it's awkward at times being the hinge and having people look at me and my partners and not know where to put themselves because their awkwardness makes me feel awkward and usually I just play this off with a bit of a laugh and, and try and make the situation comfortable. But there's a very, I feel there's a different, definite social difference between that happening just in a bar or whatever amongst friends or amongst people and that happening in a kink club or in a gay venue where it's just, okay, that's part of our, our culture, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I think we've covered most of things. I mean, like I say, we, we, we can, can sit here and constantly for now. come up with <laughs> Yeah. But we've said all we can think of for now. Uh, there is more to talk about, obviously. But Yeah, and I, I don't know over the course of the podcast there will be other things that come up, whether it be anecdotal or, or otherwise. Like As we go on, our, our, the nature of us being poly is going to come in at times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it, it's... I'm glad that we've actually had this conversation. Good. I, I'm, I'm glad. So, listeners, if there are anything that you want to tell us... Yeah, and if you have any questions, by all means, do send us the questions. I mean, you can yeah, reach us at uh, TBNJ, our podcast on just about all socials. We're on Twitter. We're on, uh, yeah, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on... What else are we on? We're on Anchor, actually. There is a facility on Anchor that I will turn on that allows people to send us voice messages. So if people Ooh. are willing to send us a voice message or ask a question, uh, by all means do so. I'll enable that feature after this podcast. That's fun. Um, and, you know, if you ask us a question, we'll, we'll try and answer it. Um, if we well, to the best well, of our abilities, we don't have the answers to everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do have the, the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Sure. Yeah. Do you know what this is? I know. Have I lost you? Uh, Please tell me you know what this is. Is it forty-two? Thank you. I was I was worried for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but shall we close out with a little bit of fun? Do you remember how in the first episode we had? Which video game characters have kink? Yeah. So, I was talking with a listener, uh, Crystal, who pointed one out to me that we missed. Oh, right. And it was about the Gears of War, guys. Oh, right. Oh, okay. So, we talked about how they were into muscle worship and potentially small penis humiliation. Can you think what else they mm -hmm. are? What else they are? Mm-hmm. Mm, it it didn't spring to my mind immediately either. I don't know how I missed it, but it didn't spring to my mind immediately. Okay. Uh, do you, I don't know. Do you think they're into uniform? They're bears. Uh, 
<laughs> she pointed out to me. Apparently, she said she told me she was sat there scre- screaming on, on the uh, on like to the computers, like they're bears. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have a new character for you. All right, Tom Nook from Animal Crossing. Oh my God, Tom Nook. <laughs> uh, Findom. Yes, this is my immediate <laughs> reaction. <laughs> I think Fintom would be his main one. I have yeah. another well one. I have another two. Uh he's got a bell fetish. Okay. <laughs> Let's go with three because I hadn't thought of that one. <laughs> it's a fetish hey. I just made up, but No 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 because if you're into bells, cool. No, because you say you made this up. However, there's something to be said about a guy having a nice bell end. Like, I'm seriously, like, if you get a guy's cock who has a nice bell end, like, oh, I didn't say bell end. <laughs> well, no, but like some people, like, that's a particular thing that they look for. Yeah, so it might not be. It might not be what end. you meant. <laughs> I don't disagree with bell end, obviously. But he's also got a thing for twins. Ah. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Every single game he's had the twins. Of course. And then if we're talking Animal Crossing, we're talking uh like we're potentially talking a crossover with the whole furry thing as well. Is there any character that you can think of that we've not covered? Or even one that we have that you might have a new idea for? Oh, I mean like gaming characters there are, there are so many. Uh... <laughs> I do have another one that I don't think I mentioned last time. All right, and it kind of ties into the last podcast. <laughs> what did we talk about in the last podcast? Um, you were playing Destiny, weren't you? I was, but it's not Destiny. Oh, it's not Destiny. All right. I talked about another good franchise as well. Hmm. Mario. Yes. <laughs> yes. What do you think Mario is into? Uh. He's a plumber, so uh, urinals. Ooh, that's actually not far from what I had. Oh, right. Yeah, so I had water sports. Well, yeah, that's that's pretty much where I was going with it. (laughs) The whole plumber thing. Water sports and... And to clarify, the reason I go water sports is not just the plumber thing. The reason I was thinking is because of Super Mario Sunshine. With the uh, water nozzle. Um, That's what led me to water sports. The other one is teabagging. Okay, explain that one. How does Mario defeat all of his enemies? Oh, by jumping on them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it could be teabagging or it could be crushing, depending on... Because some people people really like being pinned down and crushed. Trampled. Yeah, trampling. That's it. Big, big message. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's all for today. All right. I think it's been a nice uh, little chat. Thank you very much. Thank you for, very much, everybody. For potting with me. So where can they find us, Chris? They can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Anchor on TBNJ Podcast. And all one word. And you can also find us on you can now find us. Let me make sure I get this right. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on 
TuneIn, Anchor, and there's another one that has now escaped my mind. <laughs> Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. Thank you very much. Um, and please comment, leave ratings, leave likes, what, follow us, whatever the uh, thing that your particular platform allows, because everyone is slightly different. Please do so, because um, we would really appreciate it, because it does help the uh, podcast to grow. Yeah, we should really write down where people can find us. We probably should, and I mean to do it every single time, and every single time I forget. So I'm going to, I'm going, I'll tell you what, that's your task, boy. <laughs> that is your task for, yes, for next time. <laughs> so just as a little bit quick PSA on the end of this episode, our next episode would usually come out two weeks from now, which is two weeks from Friday. However, that would be Christmas Day. So... The next podcast is likely to come out. We haven't 100% agreed the date yet because it's going to depend on editing. But the next podcast will likely come out a couple of days beforehand. We are currently aiming for the 23rd. So just a little bit of a heads up. The next episode will be two days earlier on the 23rd. And then after that, normal service will resume. Yeah, we'll leave, leave your Christmas <laughs> I mean, listening to kinky sex when you're around the family might not be the best idea. <laughs> but the the topic will be well, appropriately it, Christmas it, it, themed. Yeah, each should alright. I mean, it, dep it, should, right. it depends on your family. If you've got a kinky poly family that you're around, by all means. <laughs> but for this week, I have been Simon. I've been Chris. And thank you very much for joining us. Goodbye. Goodbye.